This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development is an engineering and architectural design studio company located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Co-owner and founder Eddie Kalnintua supports the Hopi way of life and supports the next generation, including hiring Hopi professionals, individuals like Dr. Brianne Laban from the village of Tewa. Contact Terraform at 928-864-5022, extension 1, or you can email them at info at T-E-R-R-A, the number 4 com, or visit their website at www.terra, the number 4 com to learn more about Terraform development. They can design your next home, manage your next construction project, or fly their latest drone equipment to get aerial views of your project. Also sponsored by Strong Ones. Strong Ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel. Strong Ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi Reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at Strong Ones 15. Yeah. Good morning, Hopi Land. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. Thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. Oh, are we recording? I One think second. we are recording. I'm uh, uh, updating my fantasy football picks. <laughs> Just give me a second. <laughs> hey, shut up. <laughs> Today's Sunday. Today's Sunday. Happy Football Sunday to yeah. all the football fans Sunday out there. Sunday it is. Go go Cardinals, and then I, I guess <laughs> go uh, the rest of the bandwagon teams out there. Yeah. That, that go are, Washington our team. Love to cheer for. I so. want to root for the Washington team. You want to root for the Washingtons? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> they're not. Uh, they're not that Redskins anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're, no, they're just. Not. They're just called Washington Football Team. Yep. So <laughs> I like it like that. Yeah, I, I like that team name. I think that team name suits. We them. should change the Arizona just to Arizona team. To Arizona brown people team. <laughs> Arizona brown people team with that one black guy in there. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm if, native. We can say this kind of stuff. If, so. uh, if today's not controversial enough, <laughs> Carl's comments just might be the one to uh, kick us off the, the anchor platform here. Probably. so. And and so, you know, that that's kind of the interesting thing about today's episode is that, you know, last week's episode, we went, we we're discussing something that was probably, you know, semi-controversial, you know, or urbans and native, uh, urbans and res natives. But today we're talking about something that is very controversial. Oh yeah. Very, very controversial topic today. And that's going to be uh, Hopi and Navajo relations. Oh man. Hopi and Navajo relations. See, I grew up with Navajos. Um, so I really don't have any controversial things to say about them. Everything controversial has been said already, huh? On your end? <laughs> On my end, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, because I, I left, uh, um, what was it, boarding school? Not boarding school. I left, um, uh, public school. No, yeah, left to public school. Yeah. To, uh, to, visit the Navajos and I grew up with them. So I'm all, you know, for a while I never knew like the Hopi slang. 
So I was just like saying A you all were, the time. You were an A-er. Huh? I was an A-er, man. I was like, A. <laughs> and uh, like, I think some of my friends or some when I met up with some of my uh, Hopi friends, uh, they were questioning if I was, um, you know, Navajo or not. Because basically I, uh, you know, I look like one. So no disagreement for me on that. <laughs> But I think that, you know, the real genesis of this episode is that, you know, we've been talking a lot of things that are pretty uh, predominantly relating to Hopi. And the fact, you know, Navajos yeah. do have such a, a big tie in with with our culture, our experiences, because then if you go back to all of our previous episodes, especially in season one, almost every single episode we reference Navajos. Oh, yeah. In, in some regard. And, you know, they're, they're our neighbors. Um, and then so especially you and I growing up in Tuba and then me being from you know that we we have had extensive experiences um being around uh navajo navajo folks and then even you know having them within our uh families and so that you know today i i won't lie you know i am feeling a little bit of nervous oh yeah feeling the nerves about you know what what potentially could be said so i guess after this we'll see if we still have any uh navajo friends oh yeah after this episode <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best to, you know, navigate these topics and, you know, the conversations to where, you know, it's not uh, to where we're apologizing that, you know, if it gets too intense for some of the listeners out there or we apologize if it's not intense <laughs> enough. You know, for some of the listeners out there, because I know that, you know, once we do this episode, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'll get those um, messages from folks and say, you know, oh, you should have said this yeah, know, in regards yeah. to Hopi and Navajos. But then, you know, for me, it really is. And I think that you agree with this is that, you know, there are people out there uh, from the Navajo Nation that we do care dearly about. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That there, we love. That we, you know, there are because because Hopis and Navajos have been at war for centuries and centuries but you know with intermarriage and you know interfriendships and everything like that and everything in between uh you know the younger generation or the newer generation has kind of grown accustomed to having that mixed culture or that mixed relationship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so like you know when when i talk to like so or qua uh, you know, they, they don't have any relations to Navajos, although, you know, Gua had worked with the Navajos for nearly 50 years, oh, yes. half of his life, basically. Yes. Yes. And, you know, he, he's friends with them and he even knows how to speak Navajo. A lot of those older, to, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of older Navajo or older Hopi generations mm -hmm. know how to mm -hmm. speak Ho uh, Navajo. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And then even within my own family, you know, my mom always tells me stories of her Gua. Yeah. Who was a Tuhikia. Oh, really? And then so she would always relate the stories to us about how the, the Navajos would always come to him to, to get healed. Yeah. And as a result of that, you know, he was in possession of a lot of Navajo jewelry. And then also, too, that he did uh, could uh, speak the Navajo language to an extent. Yeah. And then I think that, you know, at least um, in, in, my, in my mind... In regards to this episode, I think that one of the reasons why I kind of pushed to have this episode was because um, it, it all started with Kylie Jenner. Oh, really? Yeah, believe it or not. It all started with <laughs> Kylie Jenner. Why? And so if you recall, <laughs> I, I think it was um, around the springtime when Kylie Jenner made her visit to um, 
around uh, in the page area. Really? And she was uh, vacationing, um, I believe it was probably the northern part of Page in Utah. And, um, you know, she's, you know, so famous and her social media following is so large that when yeah. she uh, shared images, pictures of herself on vacationing in Page that, you know, it really, um, I guess it really angered a lot of Navajo folks. <laughs> Because then, you know, they were arguing that, you know, how dare she, you know, come visit our reservations during this pandemic. Yeah. And especially when they were having the um, the uh, lockdowns on the weekends to where a lot of uh, folks on the reservation couldn't travel. And, you know, they're very upset about that, that, you know, she's visiting our lands and that... Um, it's not something that we're able to do in our own areas. Yeah. And then, so that was a pretty, pretty huge controversial thing. But then, you know, a lot of Navajo folks were sharing this post on, um, on social media, but then it got to a point where then a lot of youth people kind of started um, sharing their opinions and saying, you know, whoa, 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 hold on. You know, this, this land that you're, com- that you're c- claiming to be Navajo is actually Ute land. Yeah. And then so there was this one individual who kind of shared his perspective about it. And, you know, he kind of used it, this term. Um, I, I, I can't remember exactly what the term was, but basically what its definition is that when you speak on topics, that you speak on it in a way that the way that you perceive it is the absolute divine truth. You know what I mean? And yeah, so, yeah, and so yeah. I think what he was trying to say is that you know sometimes that when this uh, when the the bigger groups, the larger tribes like the Navajo, kind of speak on certain topics, that they kind of speak on it in a way that how we see it, how we perceive it, is is the is the way uh-huh. that that's the history. And so I think that was kind of one of the things that clicked on my head. And then when this youth individual kind of shared his perspective, then a lot of non uh, non Navajo natives. We're sharing his perspective because I think that they felt the same way. And I think that, you know, for sure, a lot of Hopis do feel that way about our neighboring uh, Navajo uh, friends. And I think that's kind of where a lot of this animosity comes from. Hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, Kylie Jenner. I mean, she's she she's she's hot. <laughs> That's basically all I have to say. <laughs> she whether, can she can visit the Hopi lands all she wants. Whether you're Hopi or Navajo, you know, she's hot. <laughs> I'll make her. I'll make her some bit, David, to come over to the Hopi side. <laughs> we'll welcome her. We'll, we'll walk her over here to our sacred shrines. <laughs> Want to take a selfie? Take a bikini pic. <laughs> take it on top of so uh, if, Carl's if, uh, Soto's house. <laughs> so if Kelly, Kelly, uh, you know, if Kylie Jenner is is listening to this, um, you know, call me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, I think that in today's episode, you know, we're, we're not necessarily really going to cover like like the extensive history no. of, you know, the the the, um, the issues that we've had, you know, the infamous um, Navajo and Hopi land dispute yeah. or, you know, anything yeah. in regards to that, but mostly covering our experiences. So um, going into that, you know, kind of, I guess, some of uh, some of the early, early lessons, early teachings that were taught as Hopis, you know, like from your earliest yeah. memories. And unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, that a lot of the teachings that we are taught by our, our own people about our, our neighbors, the Navajos, sometimes that they're, they can be very negative. Oh, yeah. Or sometimes yeah, they, that they they're very derogatory because then, you know, when you're a young kid growing up and then your brain is just eager for information and then growing up in, in Munkapi, you know, you kind of were aware 
aware that there was this other group of people around called the Navajos. And when you when you grow up in uh, Munkapi, there is that that line, you know, the borderline, the highway, the highway line, where it's like, you know, oh, this side is Hopi, and then when you cross it, that's Navajo side there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like. <laughs> Like it, it, it's kind of strange because when I rode the bus from Hopi to Navajo, and every time that was the uh, the daylight savings time, I have to get up on the Hopi side where it has no daylight savings time, and then cross over to adjust my clock in order to match the Navajo side where I was going to school from. It was very confusing at the time. <laughs> it is very confusing, and then even as growing up as a kid, you know, because I remember, you know, I remember clearly, you know, kind of being this young kid, and then asking people, you know, who 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 are who are the Navajo? Who yeah. are these Navajo yeah. people? Yeah, and you know, the response that I got was, "Oh, they're these other Indians, and they stole our land." <laughs> and, and- and that's that's basically like the history of all Hopi and like you know oh yeah they they steal our uh, our culture and they steal our land and uh, never trust those guys and so unfortunately that does develop that um, negative stereotype yeah. of our neighbors as being uh, thieves and so you know unfortunately you know growing up as kids that we did use um, to call each other Navajo as as a form of an insult yeah and so that you know if there were kids on the playground that were either known for for stealing or known for or, or they get caught stealing, yeah. Then that's what you would call them. Oh, you know that guy's just a Navajo. That guy's just a Navajo. Yeah. You damn Navajo. You know, yeah. Like, that was kind of the the thing that you said. And then it's not until you know you you grow up and that you actually intermingle with with them and just like anything else, you know, to debunk these stereotypes that you do meet individuals that are stand up people, that are, yeah, that are hard workers, yeah. and that really kind of um, are are admirable people, you know. Because I I'm pretty fortunate, you know. We do have uh, numerous. Uh, in-laws that come from the Navajo Nation and especially the men, you know, very hard workers and, you know, we're very appreciative of them too. And even just yesterday, we were celebrating uh, one of my sisters. She, uh, her baby had, um, she has a baby with a, with a Navajo and they had his uh, first laugh, his first laugh. Uh, I, I don't know what it's called. Oh, it's called yeah, a ceremony yeah. or, or first, first laugh party. First laugh thingy. And, and so they had that. And then, you know, big shout out to uh, our art our Navajo Iron Man, uh, Tommy Billy, because you know, he really <laughs> does have all the sikwi. And, you know, we ate really good yesterday as a result of it. And, you know, so that's kind of an example of, you know, where we are, you know, somebody that we do appreciate. Ah, so I'm taking this Tommy Billy guy is a uh, real menung to you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, he, does he know? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> we tell him all the time, man. Like, thank God you're here, man. Oh, yeah? I don't know what other man would put up with my sister the way that you do. You know, I have... Bigger sequi than that guy, so I don't know what what Enang you're talking about. I, so. I, I don't doubt. I, I doubt that. <laughs> but speaking on the the whole relationship between like Hopis and Navajos, um, yeah, every I think every Hopi family around here has relationship with uh, with with Navajos in a sense. Have some sort of either yeah. in laws or friendships or ex laws ex laws. <laughs> Either way you look at it, I mean, every Hopi around here has some sort of relationship to a Navajo. Well, thank you for saying that, because I get really annoyed when people insinuate that it's just Munkapis that have <laughs> Navajos within our villages. Well, out towards this way, we like to uh, we like to take relationship with uh, white people, so... <laughs> 
There's a lot of doll sellers that like to uh, sell their dolls to the white people. So. <laughs> but, you know, it's really interesting, though, because then, you know, we, we did grow up with these uh, negative stereotypes of our neighbors. But then even even within our own cultures, that the Navajo uh, culture really does have an influence because uh, we mentioned before on one of our episodes about our social dances that we have. Oh, yeah. That we yeah. do have social dances yeah. that um, honor the Navajo neighbors. That we have other um, ceremonies that have Navajo uh, styles of dress and Navajo styles of song that's really integrated within what it is that we do. And they're very popular. Yeah, they're very they, popular. They actually are very popular. Our people. And, yep. you know, for me, at least, you know, I really do enjoy our version of Navajo songs that we have because I think that the style is a little bit more upbeat. And then the way that they sing, you know, is a little bit uh, higher pitched than how traditionally Hopi sing. Yeah. But then I guess, you know, uh, these days, a lot of Hopi boys do sing with uh, like Navajos. So... <laughs> This paid sponsorship was paid for by Justin Villarreal. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization whose mission is to assist our Indigenous students in their pursuit of education. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with upcoming distributions. Well, now the younger generation yeah, does. Yeah. yeah, they don't sing like our villages. Like, yeah. They don't sing like uh, men. <laughs> Well, I think it's because of the influence of Pueblo Pueblo nations that because they do kind of sing like that. If you listen to other Pueblos, they kind of sing higher in that higher tone, not necessarily just the the, the you know the younger generation being influenced by other uh, like Navajo, but it's it's being influenced by other like. Pueblo cultures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And then I think that, you know, aside from from the, the, I mean, we're not all taught, you know, just negative stereotypes about, you know, the Navajos growing up. I think that some of the um, the historical contexts were taught uh, yeah. taught to us yeah. because, you know, once upon a time there, there were, you know, I guess, yeah. uh, if you want to call them wars or battles to where their stories, at least from our historical perspective of, of Navajos coming in and attacking Hopi villages and raiding and then you know even um taking women and children too as well yeah yeah and and so even within my own experience i have come across individuals that um navajo individuals that do relate his their own family history where they'll say that either their great grandma or their great great grandmother was actually hopi yeah was taken from one of the villages but i guess uh you know with with the understanding the history of the understanding was that when famine hit the hopi reservation uh navajos were kind of that gateway to say that okay you guys have sikwi or you guys have a Mm -hmm, little bit of mm -hmm. food and you guys don't have much children can i you know can i give you one of my children for you to raise and it wasn't like that with just navajos it was like that with all sorts of pueblos Uh so you do Uh have that that uh-huh. history of like um, children, Hopi children growing up in a different a culture, different culture or a different tribe, and those yeah. are, those other those types of stories too also do exist to where um, there is some sort of cooperation between the tribes, and then um, I guess on a on a pot more on a positive side and in a cooperation side, that's another thing too that you do learn about is that you learn about that uh, back in the day that the Navajos would come to the villages, they would go to the villages to, to trade uh, mutton. Yeah. Yeah, for corn. Yeah, and so those 
those were kind of some of those um, early relationships that were established. And then I think that the other thing too, well, I, I guess uh, Navajo, even the term Navajo, that's not what they call themselves. I believe that they call themselves Dene. Dene. And then in our language, I guess the popular term now, what we call them is the Sava. Yeah, that's over. But then the old term, if you talk to some of the old old people, that the actual old term for Navajo is uh Kam. Oh yeah. Forehead people. <laughs> and they're called that because uh, how traditionally that the Navajos wear their hair that it's pulled to the back, exposing the forehead, making the forehead look big. Yeah. And so and today, you'll still hear some of the older people referring to uh, the Navajos in that way. If you see a Navajo man, or if you see a Navajo lady, or, you know, and, and so forth with all the other terms. So that's, I guess, what's the original, original term for, for our neighbors. And so I guess... Uh, with you going up to the public school so early in your, earlier than I did in my life, what are some early um, recollections that you have making that big transition from being around mostly nothing but Hopis well, we, to being around uh, well, Navajos? Well, we had to uh, sing, um, uh, what is it, the, what's that? The, the Pledge of Allegiance in Navajo. Do you remember how to sing it? I, I don't know how to say, sing it anymore or say it anymore, so... Uh, but that was like the biggest uh, transition that was there because a lot of the Navajo kids were like, you know, uh, saying all their traditional um, uh, Navajo in the Pledge of Allegiance. And we're just sta- standing there like, you know, what do we do? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, oh. That's all we that's all we knew as little kids. We just had just said the oat word. Even if they taught you, your tongue probably couldn't make those uh, S noises. That's <laughs> the, pretty the prevalent click, in their the language. The clicky sounds. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things, too, that we did forget to mention at the very beginning of the podcast, you know, is that we actually do have a special guest today. We do have a special guest. We have guest. a special guest today. Yeah, and exactly. So, you know, instead of us just, you know, giving our perspective, we wanted to give the opportunities uh, for the Navajo site to be heard. And so we have a friend um, that was a high school buddy of mine, junior high, high school buddy classmate. of mine. Mind, somebody yeah. that went to I, school with did, both of us. I think he did graduate with us, right? He did graduate. He with did us. graduate. So, class of two thousand and three, uh, like to welcome Donovan Goldtooth. Ooh, ooh, yes, hey, hey, Don. <laughs> So how's we're, it going, Dylan? It's going, it's going pretty well. So we're we're uh, excited to have you here and then to uh, share uh, your perspective. So basically, you know, you got the weight of the whole Navajo Nation on your shoulders. So <laughs> you're you're actually representing, know, yeah. You're, yeah, you're representing Navajo. So careful. I, I would say I'm representing the Western Navajo side. <laughs> well, representing the Western ages, uh, West Side, huh? Yeah, Western. Age, there you go. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm I'm pretty sure that you're uh, a fan of Carl and J Man, right? At least a fan of J Man, oh, maybe not so Carl. <laughs> so day one, even your, even your YouTube sister. So, so uh, we want to settle a a, a a a debate against us. So, who has one of the most beautiful voices on the podcast here? Now, no pressure. <laughs> if, if you say Carl, Don, I'm never speaking to you ever again. <laughs> No, I'm just okay. kidding. It's like hearing those golden pipes between the both of you come out from Hopi land. I think it's you both being in your home land that makes it great. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
avoid that question and not answer it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. And so, um, so moving the conversation forward, one of the things that uh, we definitely wanted to get is because, you know, we, we did give our perspective of what we were taught and kind of a little bit of our experiences growing up as kids. So, uh, Donovan, um, what early memories do you have of uh, Hopi people and their villages? Well, you know, you know that my family married into your family basically through my uncle, uh, Uncle Rick, and not only that, but um, my other aunt is married to another Hopi man out who's from Monkopi, well, upper Monkopi, and then his other family's from Second Mesa. So, you know, growing up, I've always had this exposure to Hopis and Hopis' way of life. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the ceremonies, um, brought over a, a, a plethora of guests during those times there is like, you know, where Navajos would bring over their mutton and, uh, you know, Hopis would share their biki with them. And, um, you know, that's just one thing. That's just one way of um, like getting to know each other, having friendships between two cultures, uh, especially two unique cultures, basically. So and because because of the language that is very, very different, uh, doesn't follow the similarities as Pueblo language, but to uh, getting to technical terms of Athabascan language. So I, I really enjoy when you try to steer the ship, Carl. I think it's really cute. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, Donovan, um, another question for you, I guess, um, what, what, I, I guess from the Navajo perspective, in terms of like the history, like Tuba City, right? That that's a place that you grew up, where it's you know kind of. I've always thought of Tuba and, and Munkapi area kind of as this real unique um, area because it was kind of a juncture where a lot of different cultures kind of intersect. But you know, growing up in that area, um, what what's some of your um, historical knowledge? I guess. Um, from from how you were taught as a kid in terms of like um, Navajo and, and Hopi relations. Well, you you touched on it earlier talking about how there was intermarriages between because um, I found out that basically my great great grandmother was half Hopi and she knew Hopi, um, so I guess I'm part Hopi. I don't know what the blood quantum is, but that and also you know like we have always lived with the Hopi side by side. Um, speaking from my mother's side of the family, they're from Big Mountain. The whole relocation thing did affect them. But you did happen to talk about how that trade was going on between Hopi and Navajo. My mom would share stories about her and her grandparents would go to uh, basically second Mesa or to the other villages around Hopi land and trade with them mine and corn for apricots, peaches, and I think more squashes and whatnot. And they were dried out all the time. Um, they would also go to uh, ceremonies over on Second Mesa, uh, not only that, but weddings and so, 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 um, so forth. Um, but pretty much, you know, growing up in Tuba, you had the dichotomy of it being kind of like a melting pot, so to speak. But I never thought of the melting pot. You know, you had your distinctive Hopi side, that imaginary highway, <laughs> and you had the Navajo side to the city. But, you know, they always lived in tandem with each other. Yeah. I think from my perspective. Um, but, you know, growing up too, I was always had that privilege of attending dances down the Monkopi. Um, growing up too, a favorite of mine was basketball dance because you know, I was able to pretty much reach up and grab stuff um, out of the air because of my height. Um, <laughs> but other than that, pretty much history between Navajo and Hopi was always a good one from how I was taught, how I was 
pretty much uh, educated by my family. Um, as far as, you know, like meeting other people who didn't grow up in Tuba, other Navajos, as we left um, the reservation and I met them down here in the cities, um, you know, on the Upland land, they would really have a bad negative stereotype about Hopis. You know, they would bring out all the, I guess, the bad words against Hopis and they weren't very favorable in their eyes. Especially people from Chimli and Gamado. Not that those Central Asians can the bus, but that's just how you know, I, I, different perspectives I picked up. Yeah, I think that within my experience, I've been called some of those names and I never understood why it is that a lot of them thought that we uh, went number two off the cliffs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wait, you guys went number two off the cliffs? <laughs> well, there's no cliffs in Lynn, Cuffy, so they're probably talking about you, Carl, going uh, going off the cliffs in, uh, in Hotvela. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and so, um, uh, Donovan, uh, another real, real serious question that that's seriously up for debate, and I, I really do think that there's a difference. Um, and I'm pretty sure that you've probably tasted. Uh, what's the difference between Navajo fry bread and Hopi fry bread? Oh no, here it comes. It's, it's all the same as long as the bluebird flower. All good because I've had both. They're very good. Oh, really? I've always I've always thought that um, the Navajo fry bread was thinner and was crispier. Really? And I always thought that the Hopi ladies, when they made their fry bread, that it was a little bit more doughier. <laughs> but then again, I do have the palate of a you know red dog. I'll eat anything that's good that comes from home. It comes from took by an Indian woman, Indian person. <laughs> well, you, you did touch on something that, you know, I thought that, that I kind of learned, too, um, because I think growing up uh, so close to, to Navajos, I think that we have this interpretation, or at least this, we, we had this thought that we thought that all Navajos knew about Hopis. But it wasn't until that I went to school out at uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, over at Sippy, that I really learned that, you know, because of how large the Navajo reservation is, that there are a lot of Navajos that know very little about Hopis, especially the ones that, uh, I guess, live furthest away from our villages, like the New Mexico Navajos and even the Utah Navajos. Yeah. And, and most of their uh, interminglings and dealings with other tribes were with those tribes that are living in those areas, mostly our Pueblo relatives and uh, other Apache tribes. Yeah, because, you know, I, I, I've heard that too, because, you know, I lived in Albuquerque for two years, which, you know, I, I knew Mr. Green Chile. And I've heard that too. You know, I talk about the Hopis and I would get so many coworkers out there and I'll project me what I hope you so I have to tell them so they're basically another tribe out there in northern Arizona. Uh, they live next to us. They're, they're kinda of like Pueblo, but kinda of not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh did you uh did you go to any secondary school um after high school? Oh yeah, tell us about yeah, that. Um like my educational background? Yeah. Okay, well, I got my bachelor's degree from Northern Arizona in uh, business administration. I completed my accounting degree while doing the uh, University of New Mexico right now, working on an indigenous law degree from uh, master's in indigenous law from the University of Oklahoma. So the reason why I was asking that is because when we went to when when we went to college, you know, we we were being asked by white people if we still lived in teepees or rode horses. So I was wondering if that was the same uh, thing for you as well. And how did you feel about it? Yeah, when you were asked those questions. Well, it was just like you know, like 
what age to age, like, no, we don't have TPs. Some Navajo do use TPs, but more for a ceremonial purpose. But no, I live in a house, a regular, regular house. I know you guys touched on the past. You just mentioned it, too. And how infuriating it was to <clears throat> try to explain yourself all the time to these non-Indigenous. Bilaganas. We call them Bilaganas Navajo. We call them Bilaganas. <laughs> um, how we live. Like, yeah, we just live a regular way of life. I mean, I live in a town of 10,000 people. There's there's these fast food places there. There's stores there. <laughs> we have a grocery store there. But, you know, it's just, they still thought that we were still running around in loincloths, um, <laughs> living in teepees. Um, there was no infrastructure at all in the reservation. Some people I met, I had to explain myself, like, yeah, we're still here. Natives are still here. We're still here. They, they thought we were all extinct. We all died off, which is kind of sad. Huh. Yeah, actually, I I thought uh, when I was going to college, yeah, that that was kind of something that was brought up as well too. Uh, was that some you know one of the white people that uh, said that to me thought that we were kind of extinct in a way, and I was like, wow, I think we are too. So uh, you know, there's not a lot of Hopis that, that are around here. You know, there's only twelve thousand. Hopis that are kind of registered with the last census, but I don't know how many Hopis now. So, yeah, it is. I, I kind of understand that where, you know, you, you still have to explain yourself in, in those situations where you have to kind of um, tell them who you are and what you are, basically. Yeah, like you have to basically say, yeah, we're still here. We're still around. People, your ancestors stole your land from are still here. <laughs> I'll be all political and everything, but <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, uh, Donovan, I think that, you know, one of the things that um, Carl kind of touched upon at the beginning of the episode, which I think is uh, fairly true, because I think that, you know, in our younger years, you know, I think that even since when we were children, I think that uh, the times have changed and a lot of things have changed. Because I think even, you know, for, you know, we're, we're not very old, but we're not very young either. But I mean, even since we were younger, that um, maybe that the villages or Hopis and Navajos in regard to that were a little bit more segregated because I know that I remember uh, going to school at the day school that it was predominantly Hopi, that it was mostly Hopi uh, students. And then now, you know, you look at the day school now, I think that it's uh, equally 50-50 that the student body is half Hopi and half Navajo. And I think that just comes with the changing times that a lot more of our people are moving to the urban areas and then, you know, intermingling, intermarrying. And that's kind of where you get a lot of um, a lot of individuals that are a part of both cultures and, you know, having that experience. And even for those individuals, you know, I think that they have a story to tell, because unfortunately, you know, when we were young and I don't know if it was the truth for, for you guys, Donovan, back, you know, in your, your early years. But, you know, a lot of those kids that were a part of both cultures used to get teased a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. Like, um, basically go to public school, public school all my life there in Tuba City. I knew about the day school because some of my cousins went there. Um, the boarding school was always, well, from back then, that boarding school was like, oh, for those Johnny Navajos, those, <laughs> those wild Navajos to come out from um, Inscription House or to come out from the wild parts of the reservation. And public school is more elite. I kind of want to say that I was segregated to segregated to at the public school because um, I was always put in the more 
so-called advanced classes with the students. So we were kind of shunned away from the rest of the student population. Um, like it was pretty much the advanced classes. And we never, I never really learned the Pledge of Allegiance in Navajo until like I learned it in high school and taking Navajo class. Um, and that's, you know, the only Hopis we interacted with, there was some Hopis in our classes and they would uh, pretty much, I don't think we really picked on because we we were pretty much taught to respect one another. But, you know, like um, during recess and lunchtime and whatnot, you would see other, you interact with everybody else, uh, other other people, other students in the schools, and how much they would talk really badly about Hopis, and especially um other, if you weren't Hopi, you know, they're like being a passion and whatnot. And like, um, I remember one one thing was like, oh, you're just short like a Hopi, which is like, like wow. <laughs> <laughs> you go up today, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw it all. Um, Navajo stick on Hopis and Hopi stick on Navajos. And it's something that I guess that's, you got to learn growing up. Uh-huh. Out, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. That that's true. And you know, and like you said, you know, we, we do have those uh common relatives uh from uh your uncle and my sister's marriage. And you know, I, I think that that's a pretty uh prevalent thing now that you have those individuals that come from both cultures and they have to deal with the teasing on both sides because I've heard from those types of individuals that say that, you know, when they're with their Hopi families, they're constantly teased that they're they're being called that they're Navajo. Or that they're really Navajo, and then the opposite when they visit their Navajo families and they're being teased and they're being called, oh, you guys are Hopi. And then, you know, all the stereotype and derogatory comments that come with that go there. And so, you know, that's probably a topic for, for another episode, you know, that the Navajo piece, I think, oh, is what yeah. they, they call yeah. themselves. And so, you know, I, I think that a lot has changed since since those earlier years when we've experienced a lot of that type of um I, I guess uh, separation, but now the fact that I think that we work harder um, and there's a lot of more places that we intersect. Um, in your experience, Donovan, are, are with, with, the, with your profession or with your education, it, how often do you have to work with Hopis? I want to say I never really worked with a Hopi. Um, working working <clears throat> at my current job, I've been with them for about 10 years now. I never experienced another Hopi um, which I run into a lot of optums because it's an optum run enterprise. There was no hope to when I was working out in Albuquerque. It was all Pueblos. Pueblos are the Navajos. Mm. Um, I did run into a lot of plains Indians because a lot of plains Indians somehow migrated towards New Mexico, especially Santa Fe and Albuquerque area. But I don't ever think I ever met a Hopi in my line of work. The Indigi Design Collab are indigenous designers collaborating to bring creative people and ideas closer together through education, communication, and creative expression. They explore, cultivate, and indigenize space. Indigi Design Collab is having a call for entry starting September 1st for digital artwork for their second annual design show. The theme is Rise to Vote. For more information, they can be found on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, uh, um, you know, because Hopis are kind of just into like their own area where the, the the furthest that they'll probably span to is like the Phoenix region. So like, you know, there there is no, you know, going out to Albuquerque and going out to New Mexico further than that. I mean, it, it is going to be, be kind of rare to find a Hopi out there. Um, and especially because, you know, we just, we're so tied to the culture that we just want to stick around, you know, close to the reservation because of that. So. 
for sure. And I think too, also too, is that we're we're a much smaller tribe. Oh yeah, we're a much smaller tribe in comparison to the Navajo, and so that there are less of us out there. And so, like, um, I'm pretty sure uh, I know within my collegiate experience, and Carl, when you probably had your college experience, it was similar that when regardless of where you went, whether you know it was uh, college universities here in Arizona or anything that was close by. That um, when it came to other Native students, that you would meet a lot of Navajo students. Yeah. A lot of other Navajo students. And then for the most part, you know, there was like maybe one or two other, three other Hopis that you would come across. So, you know, even within our own experiences being Hopi, that you did tend to um, kind of come across more Navajos than you would with uh, people of your own tribe. Yeah, exactly. And uh, with that, you know, it's, it's to where we... We are very small. We are very small in in a way where we just don't branch out further enough. And it's not it's nothing that's bad, but it's just it's just that we just want because we are so tied to the culture. Like I said before, we just want to stick around, uh, you know, to the villages. So we just don't have that experience like um, Navajos do, where their uh, experiences are all out there. You know, they're they're in like Denver and Utah and. Uh, you know, all over the the map there, and um, it, it's nothing bad to say that you know uh, where where the culture is not there, but it, it's just to say that you guys put that aside and then do what you need to do, rather than Hopi's put culture first and then trying to see what we can do afterwards. So, mm-hmm. and so uh, Donovan, another another serious question for you: um, describe to us your first experience. Um, consuming the Hopi delicacy, uh, the Hopi cookies. It was utter bliss, so to speak. <laughs> I remember getting them after a certain dance that happened down at Monkopi. Yeah. Um, because we would get a lot of tiki and a lot of uh, pies and cakes and a lot of cookies like that from uh, the Hopi in-law, so to speak. Um during the dances because my family would actually help, you know, bake bread and whatnot for dances and whatnot. And um, it would just be a very, very good, delicate treat. Very, very delicious treat. Especially <laughs> when it was um, tied up with strips of bluebird flower back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought that was the best thing. And, you know, of course, today, anybody can anybody can make it because this recipe that you guys had are pretty much leaked to Navajos and now we call it Hopi cookies for sale. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it, it's very good. So. And so I don't know if Carl had this experience, but I remember being in high school was um, that was kind of a way to to get the Navajo girls that you kind of liked. Really? That you would um, wait till after a dance and then you would steal your mom or your sister's cookies that she got from the (laughs) casinum the night before. And then you would sneak it out and then take it to school. And then there you are giving it to all the Navajo girls that you like. (laughs) And then you're kind of looking at the Navajo guys, you know, with a little sly smile on your face. And yeah, Shabbat buddy i got it like that (laughs) (laughs) buddy (laughs) so um in in high school you said you were in advanced classes you you were in the advanced class right so you you never well well talking like between kindergarten until i think eighth grade Uh uh-huh and then of course high school came and all Pretty much intermingled. We were allowed to take classes. We were allowed to take. You know, like we all ran each other, running through the high school hallways, the commons area. 
Um, I think for the most part, I did take uh, advanced classes in high school. Ah, okay. So uh, did we ever have classes together? <laughs> I know it's an odd question, I, but... I, I, know, I kind of want to say it was a Denver class. Uh, it was one of those elective, those career-oriented classes. Uh-huh. You weren't in art. Cl- you weren't in art class, were you? The uh, what was his name? That Bahana guy. That uh, what was his name? Uh, Kitron? Was it Kitron? Yeah, Kitron. No, 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 uh, no. I never took the class. No, I, I guess I spent most of my time in Mister Kitron's class. That's why. Dene Mahapi Arts is a modern art made with traditional values. Dene is involving artists who is innovative through her artwork, while incorporating contemporary modern trends and bright colors being the base of her work. Hopi traditional elements is her main focus, giving her artwork an intricate finish. Though she's living in today's modern society, she paints meaning and value of traditional designs to showcase and symbolizes her upbringing out on Hopi. She specializes in customized painting, painted earrings to her colorful, bright canvas paintings and much more. Danae can be found on Instagram at Arts, where you can find and support her one-of-a-kind art pieces. So, uh, I might have been hanging out there, but I might have taken that one class. I don't remember. It's still one of <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it's, it's almost to that time. Well, where... I think we have time for one more question, yeah. though. So, uh, Donovan, I, I guess, you know, with, with your, um, I guess with your knowledge of, you know, kind of, um, I, I guess maybe the Navajo Nation government and the, the Hopi Tribal Council, um, because growing up in Tiba, I'm pretty sure that you're aware of a lot of some of, you know, some of the attempted working relationships with each other and, you know, some things to that regard. Um, because I know that, you know, sometimes, and this is why I think that, you know, maybe that the younger generation is kind of growing up a little bit more integrated with one another more so than we did back when we were growing up. But I know that sometimes, you know, some of these issues arise that, you know, kind of the whole community is kind of uh, made aware of. And I know that one that's kind of a hot topic right now is getting um, internet. The Navajo Nation is trying to get uh, internet, uh, sufficient internet installed for uh, their tribe. And, you know, their, I think the biggest barrier is getting the, um, fiber optics cable ran through parts of the Hopi reservation. And then, you know, Facebook being the way Facebook is and the natives uh, interacting with Facebook on how that they do it. Um, And so sometimes, you know, you hear people talking about, you know, things like that. And I think that oftentimes that there's a lot of misunderstandings or information that people don't know, because I know that on the Navajo side, you have some prominent individuals within the Tuba City community kind of bringing, you know, attention to these issues, talking about, you know, we're trying to do this for our children, we're trying to do this for their education, um, but we need to get this through Hopi and we need to get Hopi on board. And then that's kind of where, you know, I think that a lot of this historical stuff is missing, not understanding that, you know, the animosities that do exist and, you know, the reasons why Hopi might be hesitant or even um, restraining from being a part of that. But, you know, kind of a long long way to this question what are some ways do you think that Hopi and Navajo could work together for the betterment of the communities at least for our communities that are, are living closest together <laughs> that's a good question um, I know I heard the whole debate about getting fiber optic into two um, you know, there is internet on the reservation in Navajo's whole has fiber optic but um, two is a lot 
biggest community to actually receive it because um, the whole reservation is in the way, so to speak. <laughs> Not to speak bad, but um, from what I've heard from people I talk to who are high in the government positions in Windrock, um, a lot of the elected officials out in Windrock don't really understand, don't really grasp the whole concept of how Tuva operates. They've always said that Tuva and Mokopi are pretty much unique in a sense, because we do grow up side by side, Hopi and Navajo. Um, well, they don't grasp that concept of Windrock. They're more like uh, the whole tribalism mindset sets in, meaning that we're going to do what's best for Navajo, and um, we're not going to give, I guess, a fair share to the Hopi tribe. Um, I know the big debate is trying to get a fiber optic to Tuba, and that one little hurdle is that little ship by the highway, the reservoir, the reservoir turnoff, um, to get it to go over. And I've heard discussions about that and to try and pay Hopi $10,000 a month. Don't quote me on that. That's just what I heard. <laughs> you heard it <laughs> and, here, um, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think for Hopi and that will have to work better. We need to get, I hate to say it, I hate to advocate for this, you know, it's the only way I see it to be done is to get more elected officials from Chuba to get into higher government offices in the Windorock. But then again, you know, I'm always advocating for Western Navajo to break off from the rest of the reservation because Windorock just puts a lot of blockades for um, Western side of the reservation. That's just like politics of it all. Um, but other than that, it's just like getting people who understand the whole economy of Hopi, Navajo, and Chuba City of Mokopi, um, how they work out there. Because, you know, we all grew up with each other. We're all Hopi now. We're all friends. Like, right now, we're, we're talking. I'm an Navajo. You guys are Hopi. <clears throat> we grew up with each other. We called each other. And she's like, just need to get it done. It's easily said than actually done. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank right. you, Donovan. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you joining us. And then, you know, like, you know, this is such such a broad topic. And, you know, there are so many other areas and components that relate to it that, you know, we didn't even get to touch upon now. So, you know, this potentially could be a part two moving on towards the future. And so uh, we thank you for that. And, you know, I, I think that we did uh, we did a fairly okay job talking about, you know, <laughs> kind of this uh, uncomfortable conversation, you know, for from both sides. Um, and so, you know, with that, you know, we thank you all for uh, listening to us. And then, like you said, like we said, we've been saying before, you know, if you'd like to support us, um, come visit our uh, anchor site at anchor.fm forward slash CJ podcast 85. Don't forget, we're on Instagram and we're also on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, we also have a YouTube channel, so uh, go and check that out. Uh, we'll be making a lot of um, uh, more more episodes that uh, that showcase our quirkiness to uh, to the mass fans that we have, or mass fans that I have now. So, uh, thank you again, Donovan, for uh, taking uh, time out of your day to speak with us. I know that forty five minutes is not enough time to do anything, but um, but thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, you guys are welcome. You know, even though this is a very decisive topic, you know, you guys are getting it to be talked about, to have discussion, and have to move forward to at least move to some conclusion. Oh, for but sure. Oh, happen. yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. My name is Carl, and this is J-Man. Uh, thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. Hello. So